Hey there, loyal listeners. Chad here. Two quick post-recording announcements I need to make. Number one, I have been having some mic issues, so my sound quality for this episode is not good. Richie has been attempting to work his magic, but I apologize for this. However, we are getting some new equipment soon, so hopefully you're going to notice a bump in quality very soon. And then number two, for the portion of our local Omaha listeners, I will be co-hosting a Gen Cant event at the Game Shop in Omaha on August 4th. So, while Clef goes to Gen Con and Richie sits on a beach somewhere sipping pina coladas and flirting, probably with his wife, I'm going to be hosting this event, and it's going to be a great time. It's going to be tons of fun. So, from 12 to midnight, we're going to have a lot of giveaways and stuff to win, like great games or maybe even a Punchboard Paradise t-shirt. There's going to be game demos going on. We're going to have a Wits and Wagers tournament, probably around 6 o'clock or so. I'm telling you, if you like fun, you should come. If you don't like fun, you probably should just stay home, but Come to the game shop Saturday, August 4th. To our non-local listeners, we're going to be trying to work on getting you here next year from Perth and Tel Aviv and Winnipeg and Ljubljana and Taipei and Panorama City. Anyway, thanks for hanging with us and thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a bi-weekly podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming and the topics that affect the board game community. In episode 10, the Punchboarders discuss their recent plays, preview the Gen Con hotness, and draft their favorite games to play with just two players. Hi everyone, I'm Clef. Hey there, I'm Chad. And I'm Richie. All right. Well, gentlemen, I don't know if you caught it last night, but uh, last night was the Home Run Derby. So, And I got to watch the Home Run Derby and celebrate uh, my birthday, which is one of my favorite days of the year. So, oh, <laughs> birthday, yeah, hey, thanks. I actually, one of the good things, I, I got some Chicago-style pizza, so which to me is real pizza, and we sat back. Ooh, where from? Uh, Pizzeria Davlo's in Omaha. So that's one of the few that's places. Yeah, yeah. It is good. So, And I heard Giordano's is supposed to come to town soon, too. So we'll see if that happens. But for now, that's a very good Chicago-style pizza. And, Clef, you, mm, you mean... I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to uh, disagree with you. No. I'm a New York. I like the thinner crust. I don't like that thick, crazy... You're wrong. (laughs) Give me a slice with a little bit of sauce on it and some cheese, and we're good to go. That's all I need. Because there is more (laughs) cheese that fits on a Chicago style pizza. That's why it's so great. I measured last night. I actually measured. There was an inch of cheese (laughs) on this slice of pizza. An inch. That is superb. I'm telling you. What I don't understand is why people even fight over this. It's all good. Pizza is just good. I can't argue so. with Richie. He's right there. He's right. It is true. It is true. It is very hard to make a bad piece of pizza. That's well, Clef, you're a baseball fan. Did you see the home run derby last night? Oh, absolutely. It was a. It was an exciting home run derby with the hometown hero there, Bryce Harper, and it was just. It was fun to watch him 
get the crowd going. And then when he tied it up there, when he still had the bonus 30 seconds, just to uh, watch him get all pumped up and then come and do that walk off. Oh boy. That it was, was intense. Uh, yeah. You said Finn was just going crazy for it. huh? Oh yeah, he, he did. He was, he was going nuts. He, he was rooting for the Cubs too. And Kyle Schwarber was a drama queen. He was coming down to the last second, every single, every single matchup. It was great. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was fun. It was a good home run derby. That's yep. for sure. Uh, of course, Richie is not saying anything because uh, he probably didn't even know the home run derby was on last night. So. Uh, no, I, I did not even know that it was a thing last night, but I watched the DIY channel and we oh. figured out to uh, do some landscaping in the backyard. That's super. You are oh, welcome to come awesome. over anytime. <laughs> I'm not saying that we're actually going to do it. We just kind of learned oh, how okay, to do okay, it. Okay, okay, good. All right. <laughs> Well, we also oh, we good. also had a little a little get together on Saturday, which was kind of fun too. Which was sort of kind of uh, for me. I got to go out and have an extra game night because it was my it was my birthday weekend. I think so. That was kind of nice. Uh, but we we got together and we played a lot of games, which which was kind of fun to hang out with everybody and in a large group. Yeah, it was it was a little bit different than normal. Usually, when I have a game night at my house, uh, it's pretty heavy euroy type of games but uh this weekend we had a couple people that were maybe not big gamers uh at least heavy gamers and so we we did a lot of party yeah, games we did. uh what did we played uh decrypto um we played which i would just like to say officially on air for the first time ever i beat jake in a game of decrypto a friend of mine here in omaha and I finally beat him in that game, so I just want that to be on on permanent. It's because you had a ringer on your team. <laughs> yeah. I was on your team. That's why. <laughs> That's right. We 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 got that sucker good. Uh, what else we played? We played code names. We played the mind. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. that, that was kind of a disaster of a game. To be honest, <laughs> that was really funny. I was the mind. <laughs> what? Uh, well, pretty much exactly what I expected it to be. Um, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. Uh, you, it was, God, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. I don't even know what to say about it. It, it was interesting. <laughs> I'll put it that way. It was, it was, oh, wow. it was I did, interesting. I would not have expected you to say it that. It was so. an awful matchup. Um, I mean, I, it, it, it was just, it was quite the combination of people. Not that th- these people were all great people. It just was not a group of people that wanted to put their hands in the center and look at each other for a couple of minutes before they threw their cards down. I'm telling you, <laughs> it was not no. that. So no. it was, did you win? Oh, not even close. Not even close. Well, I would say, okay. I don't, I haven't played the game very much, but we made it to round six and it was, no, it was five. It, right. I mean, no, that first time we made it to round six. Now, granted, we I might have been cheating, but I kept using the word stop when I was ready to play a card. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's in the rules. You can say well, stop. But you have to say that's stop awesome. when, you, when you're when you wanting to play that shuriken, I think, right? No, you can say stop. if you. It's to refocus everyone, basically, or get people to slow Okay, down. well, he would say stop and then throw okay. his card in. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want anybody to throw their cards out for me. Yeah. Oh, well. I will say this. My two plays of it, I'm good. I don't ever need to play it again. And <laughs> that's, 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 and that's okay, because no game is for everybody. I keep trying it out, because to me, it's like an experiment. Because sometimes you find the exact right people to play with, and sometimes you totally don't, and it blows up. But it, it, it's 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 an interesting social experiment or social activity. So we'll see. I'll still, I'll still play yeah. it. It's, it's, just, it's just light fun. 
But a, a game, I want to talk about this, a game I did get to the table. Clef had taken a picture of his collection and asked everybody on the, he figured out the Instagram, actually. And on uh, on Instagram, he took a picture and he posted and asked everybody. And one of the suggestions we got to play was Paris Connection, which he hadn't played yet. And that was actually from Ed over at Heavy Cardboard. So we picked out Paris Connection, kind of looked through it. It's only got one page of rules, but basically what you're doing is you're, you've got these trains, these different colored trains, there's six, I believe, and they start out in this hub in the center, and you also have sort of a stock track that match those trains off to the side. And what you're doing is you get random trains pulled out from a bag and put behind your player screen. Everybody gets, I think, eight. And as you play, you get one of two choices. You can take a one to five trains from off these common boards that have the colors on them and play those out in extension from where they start at the hub to build tracks out to different cities. And when you hit a city, depending on what color it is, it can score a variety of points for those trains off to the side on the on the stock track. So each train, as it goes through a city with the tracks you're making, makes it more and more valuable as it creeps up. Now, what you're doing essentially is trying to make the trains you have behind your screen worth more because the most points at the end win. So you can either do that action or you can take a train from behind your screen and trade it with trains on the common board, uh, one or two of them, for your one, basically. So you're kind of taking your less valuables, maybe, and trading them to get more valuables. So the game ends when I think four or five of the train boards are cleaned off or one of the tracks goes through Marseille, which is a four-point city, the only one on the board. So the rules, I've just explained them all to you, really. They're relatively easy, but we were very confused on how to play the game because it seems so simple. But as we played the game, we kind of figured out it's really a very above-the-board game. It has a poker-ish element to it in that you're really trying to guess what other people have as their track, what they're laying out. You're trying to see what they're going to exchange, who's going to go where. You can block people off, but not right at the start. It's it's very interesting. I love the interplay, and I'll totally come back to it because it's it plays very quick, of course. It's a super quick filler, probably 20 minutes maybe at the most, I think. But... You're trying to exchange those trains maybe and get the majority of the color that has moved up the highest on the stock track but not let too many people know. And you can get more trains than when you start out with because obviously you can turn in those one trains to get the two more trains. But if you get above a certain amount, and that depends on the player count, you start to get like minus 20 points if you, if you have too many trains behind your screen towards the end of the game. So that's a big deal. So this was a really interesting filler that I was really glad to have played, and it it is definitely on my radar now. Clef, what did you think about it? Oh, I liked it. I feel like I figured it out a little bit quicker than everybody else did because I stopped taking trains maybe even my second turn. I started realizing I've only, and I think it was only six trains we got to start with in the uh, five-player game that we played, and I realized I just need to get more trains because that's how I'm going to score. So when other people were building all the way to, well, whatever that place is in France that I called Marcellus <laughs> or whatever it's, whatever, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, I was grabbing more trains for the multiplier 
And then I kind of threw a couple of yellow trains back out there at the end of the game and kind of tempted you to, to end the game when I had a fairly good feeling that I was going to win. Cause I think I was like, at least had three or four more trains than everybody else did at the end of the game. Uh, no one had even reached the max of the number, but I will agree with you. I think that game, if you have players that really know what they're doing, talk about a really good cat and mouse type of game of, Ooh, they're starting to go yellow. Okay. I'm going to go this way, or I'm going to go with this color. I really think that game could be really, really good game for some good heavy gamers for just a nice little filler game. I, I liked it. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting it back to the table. That was a great suggestion from uh, Ed over there at Heavy Cardboard to say, get that one to the table. Get it off your shelf of shame. Well, why don't you, since we just talked about the Home Run Derby, why don't you tell everybody the next game you got to play, which this was a night of firsts for you because you played the mind and you played a deck builder, which was huge for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my friend Dan um, sent me his top 50 games of all time. And he said, Hey, which of these games have you not played? And out of his, out of his collection, there was one game I had not played yet, which was baseball highlights 2045. And when I told him that, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to teach you that game. And I was like, okay, what kind of game is it? And he's like, it's a deck builder. And I was like, eh, deck builders are not usually my cup of tea. But I'm like, okay, you know, I, I love baseball. Baseball is my favorite sport. And so I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So he showed up and he pulled it out and he started to give me uh, a lot of uh, theme before we even went in to the rules, which Chad thought was kind of funny that he was giving me so much theme, but he was telling me how the game basically is set in the future where robots had started to play. And so they obviously got too overpowered for the regular humans. And so then they started making cyborgs and then the cyborgs were, you know, obviously half human and half robot. I'm just and listening to this. It was so funny. And, and I'm hearing Klepko. I'm hearing Klepko. Uh-huh. 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 Like, okay, let's get to the, let's get to the mechanisms. Come on. I was, I was loving it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause then you asked me, so did that theme help out? Or I think Dan might've asked me and I was like, sure. Why not? <laughs> you know, for me, it just doesn't matter. I, tell me the rules. You know, if I feel like I have questions, sure. Whatever. But okay. It's a baseball theme. So I'll, I'll go with it. Um, but it was interesting. You basically take your deck of a team so wherever there's and i guess there's all the teams with expansions out there but he only had i think four teams so i think i picked the dodgers closest to the royals that they had and we you know started to play the basics of the game is you you'll play a card and on that card you'll either have um a some sort of a ability on it that happens immediately, or then it will have your threatening, like it will say you're threatening for a single or you're threatening for a single and a double. And then they'll have different speeds of runners also. And you'll play these cards, but then the opponent will then have, your opponent has an opportunity to play a card back at you to maybe steal a hit or maybe make a double play or do something on those lines. And so it's kind of a little bit of a cat and mouse game back and forth. And it was really cool. And then you, well, and I should say, then there's the deck building aspect of it where after the round, you'll have money on these cards and you get to purchase different players. 
which was kind of cool. I mean, for what theme there was, it was kind of neat where they would have, you know, Mantle Maris as a player, you know, so obviously two greats, you know, from the past. Or it might have said, you know, uh, Mays, uh, Killebrew or something on those lines. So great baseball players from the day. Sorry, Richie, I know I've totally lost you there. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, so you got to build, you know, and build your deck and then, you know, but the, the cards basically did the same thing. But it was kind of fun there at the at the very end of the last game that we played. We were tied up to win it, and Dan played a card to go ahead of me, and I basically got to top deck a card because I'd already used my pinch hit card, and it was Visitors, and it happened to be put, you know, get an out or something, and so it was kind of fun. I, you know, celebrated. Unfortunately, went into extra innings, and Dan still beat me, but it was cool. I would actually... I would play it again. I don't think it's one that I would ever add to my collection just simply because of what, you know, the type of game is. But I still enjoyed it and would definitely, uh, like I said, I'd, I'd play it again for sure. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, Baseball Highlights 24. Uh, apologize before I move on. Have either one of you, Chad, I think you've played this. Richie, have you ever played this one? I've played the app, which I would not recommend playing the app because <laughs> it's a terrible app. But oh. – um, I want to play it in real life because the app was so bad. And I just mean when I say bad, I mean the like the, the physical, the, you know, the actual app just ran horribly and all that stuff. So because uh, hmm. Mike Fitzgerald is one of my favorite designers, especially when it comes to card games. So I definitely want to try it out. I think you'd like it. Even though I'm not a huge baseball I think you'd fan. like it. Uh, do you own that one, Chad? I do, yeah. And it is one of Finn's favorite games to play. So Finn really likes it as well. We kind of haven't played with the pinch hit thing, but he's old enough now that we could stick that in. But, yeah, he, he really enjoys that game and likes to play it. And it's fun. I think it's fun. And my friend Brian, who's a big baseball fan but not really a gamer at all, we will sometimes play it too. So it's a good game for them. Richie, uh, unfortunately, you did not get to join us for a little fun game night, uh, party game night. Uh, but what have you been playing? Yeah, so uh, I was actually in Lincoln that night having our monthly game night with uh, Kristen and Stefan, the couple that we play with once a month. And we got in a few, we got in a few games that we've already talked about before, Heaven and Ale, uh, Council of Four. But uh, the one I'm going to talk about uh, right now is Fantasy Realms, which is a small card game from WizKids. I believe it's designed by Bruce Glasgow is his name. And this is super simple. It's just it's kind of like uh, Paris Connection as far as I think Paris Connection. It takes longer to set up than to play. This one it takes longer to score than to play the actual game. So you have a deck of 53 cards, and at the beginning of the game you'll deal out seven cards to everybody. And on your turn, you'll either draw a card from the deck and then discard a card, or you'll draw a card from the discard pile and then discard another card. The game ends when there's 10 cards in the discard pile. So with four people, that can be pretty quick. And then once the game ends, you will score the seven cards that you have in your hand. And each card has four pieces of information on it. It has a base strength power, which is just uh, points. So that's guaranteed points uh, is the base strength. And then it has a name, which may come into effect when you get to the other part, uh, other piece of information on the card is the bonus and penalties. And with the bonus and penalties, so there's, like I said, there's 53 cards. Each card is unique. Uh, some cards will say something like uh, bonus 28 points with the swamp. So if you have the swamp card and you have the hydra, then you'll score an additional 28 points since the hydra gives you that bonus. And then there are some that will give you ridiculous bonuses. So like the candle it's only worth two points on its own, 
But if you get it with the Book of Changes and the Bell Tower, you get an additional 100 points. That's so huge. you kind of have this. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of have this kind of push your luck thing, because if you have if you're hanging on to the candle, you don't want to have that at the end of the game if you can't get those two other cards, because you're, you're going to lose most likely because you're only getting two points out of that card. But you also don't want to throw it out there because if someone has those two cards already in their hand, they pick that up. That's 100 points for them. It was actually I mean, it's it's extremely simple, like I just described. But it was actually pretty fun and pretty addicting trying to get the best combo, you know, in that short amount of time. Jessica loved it. She made me play it when we got home. She made me play it again. And we played it like five times. Wow. And it's just one of those games that you can just play, you know, real quick. A two-player game probably takes, you know, 10 minutes, if that. Hmm. Definitely recommend it. It's only like 10 to 13 bucks. I think I got it for like 13 bucks off of Amazon. It's a really good filler, a quick little card game that you can easily take take with you since it's just a deck of cards so have either one of you heard of this at all i've heard of it but i haven't i haven't really looked much into it it just sounds like a, a super addicting push your luck game which is great you know we love those so yeah yeah it sounds like something i'd like to give a try with my wife to see what she thinks of it I have to check that one out so that's what we've been playing and uh, now we're going to go ahead and head on over to clef's kickstarter corner <laughs> Okay, so today in Clef's Kickstarter Corner, first I want to mention real quick, and I'm not going to go into detail on this one, for those of you, a really good Euro game, which is a worker placement, kind of a lighter variety, Snowdonia is being reprinted, and it is going to only have about a day left when this hits, so if that's interesting to you, go check that one out. But the one that I'm going to talk about today is called The Island at El Dorado. Uh, this is actually, a, was a Kickstarter, oh, I'm going to say maybe a year ago. And this Kickstarter is coming out. It's uh, got an expansion for it, but it also still also has the base game that you can get in in the, uh, you know, pick it, pick it up along with the expansion. And this is one that I really debated on last time it came to Kickstarter. And at the last minute, I was like, eh, it didn't look like maybe it was uh, quite uh, heavy enough for me. So I passed on it. And now I'm looking at it this time and I'm thinking, ah, man, I really am kicking myself for passing on that last time. So I think I might go ahead and, and uh, pick it up this time. Uh, the game itself is kind of a, an explorer type of game where you've got a bunch of hex tiles and you'll lay those out. And on your turn, you're going to simply roll a couple of dice. And one of the dice you're going to use is your movement. So you're going to, you know, move your little explorer around to different areas on the on the island and kind of flip the tiles up as you go. And then the other dice you're going to use for gathering uh, resources. So then after you, you know, you gather some resources, you move your guy, uh, then you can, you know, basically buy some resources. And the way to win the game is not victory points, which is always kind of an unusual thing when we talk about Euro type of games, but it's control four of these uh, temples that are on the board that you have to go and, you know, get a certain amount of offerings to control them. You got to find them. And then once you get there, have enough to, to give them their offering and then you control them. And the first one to control four is the winner. So that's kind of an interesting thing. There's been a couple of games out here of late that have been kind of different where it's not just victory points uh, like Raja of the Ganges and, um, you know, a few others. So this is 
you know, in a unique thing. Now, this game itself, I think, is a little bit on the lighter fare. I, I think it's, you know, it's more made for, I think, more gateway type of game. But I think it's a nice kind of in-between where it's got some nice gateway aspects so you could play it with some people who maybe aren't huge gamers. But yet, you know, still has enough meaty decisions and a little, you know, things to do that even, a, you know, a heavy gamer could enjoy it. Um, it's right now on Kickstarter. I think it's got, uh, it's got like, uh, 17 days left on it. You can pick it up, uh, the base game for just 59 bucks, or you can pick it up for 85 that gets you the base game and the expansion. Now the expansion, this is pretty cool. Actually, it adds team play to the game. So you actually can have like a team of three versus three, or even I think it's I think it goes up to eight. So you can even have a team four versus four, and kind of a team aspect to it, which you know maybe not might not be my cup of tea, but others might actually find that to be kind of a neat little aspect to it. Um, and it's it's called oh the the expansion is called the Thieves of El Dorado, and it's actually supposed to be like the precursor to Alibaba and the thieves, you know, that's the supposedly they came before the Alibaba thieves. But anyways, that is uh, the game, the Island at El Dorado. So definitely go and check that one out. All right. Thanks, Clef. Now let's get on to our another area of expertise for you, which would be our Gen Con preview. So you're the only one who's been to Gen Con, Clef. We're kind of counting on you for a little bit of background idea insight into Gen Con before we go into what we're looking forward to. So mm. you've been to Origins. A little, little bit of pressure. A little bit of pressure. pressure. Okay, good. Okay. Well, okay. I expect you to step it up. You, I, I've been tired of carrying you. Anyway, so now um, <laughs> what, 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 I, what I wanted to ask you is you've been to Origins. We've talked about it, right? I want to know what... How's the, how's the experience different, and what are you looking forward to at Gen Con as opposed to Origin? Well, they're t I mean, they're, literally, they are such different conventions. It, you would think that they're not all that much different, but Origins is definitely more of a play, relay, relaxed atmosphere, uh, you know, not all the hustle and bustle, more time to talk and chat. Gen Con is a straight crazy buying just just crazy atmosphere I, I don't even know what else word to use but just crazy i mean you're talking when they open up the doors on thursday morning at 10 a.m you're talking 15 20 000 people standing at the doors and they just the moment they open them people just rush in there like like there's i know mean, there's magical you know, craziness in there that they're they're after rushing for gold would be, I mean, seriously, I've seen people just like burst running just after they get through the door. Even when they tell you at the beginning, don't run, you know, there's people just flying to get to places uh, that I might've done that at some point, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's so like there's Lego Star Wars inside. <laughs> sure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it is definitely a lot different. I've, I've been to, I've actually been to four Gen, I've, I've been to Gen Con four times. Um, back, way back in the day, uh, I went when I was younger, I went when it was still in Milwaukee, I went once. And now I've been the past three times. Uh, the time back in Milwaukee doesn't even compare to what it is now. And last year was the first year that it sold out. And I think it's pretty darn close to selling out again this year. So it is, it is a crazy atmosphere. And not only like it, 
Origins, you mostly have people selling board games there. At Gen Con, you'll not only have people selling board games, but you'll have, you know, art. A lot of people selling art. You'll have people selling clothing, you know, like like Viking clothing or medieval clothing. You've got people selling swords, and I'm talking like real swords that you can buy. Uh, you've got people selling, you know, Pokemon and anime and anything you can imagine. There are just tons of different things, so it's it's definitely much more of a buying convention than than Origins. Well, you sure. have you taken orders yet for what we want? Because I, I think Richie wants some of those elf ears, is what he told me. So, <laughs> oh, I can yeah, I sign can me do up. That. There so, we go. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I got to get an extra pair for Jeff. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Now I don't want to hear anymore. You guys, what you guys I decide to do is your own thing. <laughs> no, I think we do that. I think we put that picture up on Instagram. <laughs> All right, well, okay. So moving on very and quickly from on. that, <laughs> please tell me what you um, are looking forward to at Gen Con as far as the atmosphere of the experience then. Um, you know, just getting to be with uh, my favorite thing about going to Gen Con right now is I got my group of friends that we've been there for the past three or four years that I get to go and hang out with. And for me, I love, you know, like I said, it's crazy, but I love all the craziness. Now it's going to be a little bit different for me this year. Normally the past, every time I've gone, it's just me there just kind of hanging out and checking out new games and, and doing that. But this time, a couple things are different. One is I'm going to be volunteering at the uh, Capstone Games booth uh, for Mr. Clay Ross. I'm going to be doing uh, the demos for the climbers and the estates that he's going to have there and helping him out. So I'm going to be there all Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for a period of time. So that's going to be a little bit different, uh, doing a little bit of the uh, you know volunteering and helping. Uh, so if absolutely, if anybody wants to stop by and say hello, feel free to. That'd be awesome. What times are you going to be working there? On Thursday, I will be there from ten to two. On Friday, I'll be there from two to six. On Saturday, I'll be there from ten to two, and then on Sunday, I'll be there from ten to one. So pretty much uh, the morning most of the times, except for Friday, I think I'm there from two to cool. six. Yeah. So definitely stop on by, and then also this can be a little bit different for me. Because of our podcast now, I have some meetings set up with some different uh, publishers and different uh, people just to kind of look at some different games. And obviously, even myself, I'm going to be going around trying to look at more different things to be able to bring back than maybe I normally would have you know, even paid attention to. So it's definitely going to be a different Gen Con for me. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Well, what about food? Now, I know that we always talk about Origins, and Origins is the best place for food, but do you guys have places you like to go or anything you're excited about there? Uh, you know, nothing special. That's for darn sure. Uh, they, the food trucks are good. Uh, the nice thing there at Gen Con is during lunchtime and dinner time. I mean, boom, the, the food trucks just come in, and you're talking any type of food truck you can imagine is there from barbecue to Chinese to cupcakes to donuts. I mean, it's, it's all there. So you have a good choice. You know, one thing I don't, it's, it's so crowded and there's so much, you, you don't really have anywhere to sit down or anything. I mean, they've got some, you know, some tables that are out there in the middle, but it's not, they're so full so quick. You don't even have anywhere to sit down. So nothing near as good as origins and like going to the North market. So that's, eh, there's a cool little bar that me, uh, that my friends and I always go to, uh, to kind of meet up 
by where our parking spot is, which is usually like, you know, four blocks away from the convention hall, uh, called the Slippery Noodle. And it's got some decent food. Probably its best thing is it's got half price drinks on Thursday. So we always go there and get some Long Island, Long Island iced teas, which is always good. But uh, food wise, nothing special, at least that I have found. If anybody has any suggestions for me, let me know, because I I could really use some good food places down there. Ah, I almost forgot. Besides the one thing that we do every year, and that is we go to the world famous St. Elmo's Steak. Right. That's what I was going to ask you about. It's like, come on, is he actually leaving that out? I almost forgot about that. I almost (laughs) forgot, you know, because I don't think of it as like Gen Con, you know, like where you're eating there at the time or whatever, like you kind of do at the North Market. But yeah, this is kind of a special thing now. Oh boy, I'll tell you, if if you do not want to see a hefty bill for a steak, you definitely don't want to go here. I mean, I think the cheapest steak they have on the menu is like 56 bucks or something like that. It is expensive, but oh my goodness, the best steak I've ever had. It is unbelievable. And then they also have this uh, shrimp cocktail. And they're famous for this shrimp cocktail. They've got these huge, huge shrimp, but they got this unbelievably really spicy i don't it's not even spicy it's it's a uh it's a sauce and it's got like kind of the the horseradish type of sauce it's just like a burning sensation when you have it i am a big spice guy don't mind spice at all but the first time i ever took one of these and you know i took the shrimp and i dipped it in there and somebody said oh that's gonna be hot and i'm like get out of here whatever I literally almost cried. The thing made me my eyes water so bad because it's just <laughs> So now I know to be a little gentle on it, but uh, but amazing shrimp cocktail, amazing steaks, amazing atmosphere. Yeah, I mean if you've if you've got a couple of extra bucks and you want to check something out that's good, St. Elmos. You know, it's it is a definite good place to eat. You're not kidding that. about those prices. I looked them up, and that shrimp cocktail is sixteen dollars on its own. <laughs> oh. Yep. <laughs> some of those steaks you know yep 60 70 dollars you know how many board games you can buy for that uh yeah a lot <laughs> i every year i go there and every year i have it i think to myself is it really worth it because not only i mean you get a shrimp cocktail you get a steak you get you know a couple of drinks and you know you're talking 100 bucks 120 bucks i'm thinking to myself i could have bought like three board games with that <laughs> uh, but it's even more even the food is amazing but it's also one of those really nice fun things that we always do as a, as a group of guys just to to hang out and have a good time so it's at least at this moment i still say it's worth it usually after i'm done with it i'm like ah, i don't know if that was quite worth it <laughs> next year, i'm like yep i'm doing it again <laughs> well so right before we finish up and we talk about the games that we're super excited about give us just a few last minute tips for people going to gen con real quick okay um a biggest thing is i would say is always have access and bring yourself some sort of a bottle of water or you know um you know just somewhere that you can get water you don't want to go into the convention and have to pay for their seven dollar bottle of water or whatever that you get there it the room is huge with lots of people, so you always want to try to stay hydrated. So easiest thing I can tell people, bring a bottle of water. Definitely bring yourself some sort of bag. Yes, the, the convention people will give you bags that you can use, but it's just nicer to have one that you can you know strap on and, and keep tight on you. Really, the only other thing I would say, just you know, be careful. Make sure to take some maybe some uh, emergency or whatever it is just to kind of help keep your immune system up. 
Certainly there's so many people and if you're doing a lot of shaking hands and that certainly can bring on a cold or a sickness and you certainly don't want to be sick or cold there. So just, you know, being careful about that, washing your hands, doing things like that. I know those are really simple things that probably people are like, yeah, duh. But I'll tell you the first year I went to Gen Con, I wish somebody would have given me some of that advice because I would have had, I had no idea what I was going into. And uh, yeah, so those would probably be my biggest three tips is water, backpack, and uh, just, you know, some sort of a vitamin C supplement or, or something on those lines. All right. Sounds like good advice to me. Well, Richie, why don't you tell us some of the stuff you've been looking forward to that's going to come out here soon? Uh, sure. So the first one I'll talk about is Gunkum. Gunkamono? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Gunkamono? Sounds like a dirty I kimono. That. I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I guess so. <laughs> All right. So this is a a little bit of a cheat because I actually already own this game. It's re-implementing Heartland, which have either one of you heard of Heartland? No. No. That's because when you look, if you look up Heartland, uh, the original version is from Pegasus Spiel. It only came out in Germany, I believe. So we all live in the Midwest. So just imagine the most generic farmer, like of anyone who lives outside of the Midwest, what they think of what the Midwest looks like. Okay. So that's the cover is just like this, you know, good old boy and overalls looking off into the sunset just over a field. And the the actual board game looks terrible, but Renegade Games is putting out uh, Gunkamono. And so that's what I'm really excited about is to replace my copy with a an updated version that also has a completely different theme. So this is now your warring factions in Japan. And the the way the game works is that you on your turn, the, you have these little domino pieces in the original game. It was, they were little uh, crop pieces. And this one, it's it just shows one of the fighters in a color and they're like domino pieces. And when you on the board, when you place down a domino piece, any of the connecting pieces that are connecting colors that match, you could, you're basically, you're creating, once again, I'm thinking of the original game, so I apologize because I, I know all the terminology for that one. I don't know that for this one. In the original game, you were creating large groups of crops and then you score points for those crops. And the same way in this game, you're connecting those colors. I have no clue what they're calling them in this game, but you can either score those points straight up and just take the points depending on how big that crop size is or on each of the tiles and in the original game it was barn points very exciting oh barn crap points. are we talking about richie yeah. in the barn again <laughs> we already do we go there oh no yeah we're back in the oh, barn man. so <laughs> you get those thumbs ready <laughs> oh. so you <laughs> we we did have a listener ask if Richie could tell more childhood stories about thumbs up. Maybe Richie's got something. I don't know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I grew up in the suburbs, so that's my only barn story. <laughs> so you can either score just straight up points or you can score barn points. Uh, I think in this game is going to be called Stronghold Points. And there's a little track off to the side of the board that has a bunch of your little pieces. And as you move up that track... You get to take those, I think they're called strongholds, like I said. You get to take the stronghold and you get to put it onto the board. And now going forward, that's your area. So even if someone put down a little domino piece in that area, they would not be able to score because your stronghold is there. Now they can still do that. And the reason they may want to do that is because they'll basically be chopping up your large uh, stronghold or your large kind of area that you've created. And they're taking away points away from you because... Once you have a stronghold on the board, that scores automatically every round 
in addition to the points that you generate from placing new pieces. So yeah, I'm just excited to get a new production, a new theme. Uh, like I said, uh, Renegade Games is going to be putting this out, and it should be for sale there. Yeah, that, definitely excited. That to sounds interesting. That yeah. sounds interesting. Uh, so what about you, Chad? What are you uh, excited to pick up? Well, one of the things I'm excited to pick up was a game that I played with you once because you own a copy, but now those copies are pretty rare, and that's a surprisingly a Richie game, a card game called Arboretum. <laughs> and Arboretum was originally published by Z-Man Games. And the designer is Dan Kassar, I believe. And yep. he made a great game about laying down cards to form your little arboretum. You walk among the trees, basically. And you have to lay these down in a certain way. But they're different colors, and each with numbers 1 through 8, I believe. And you're putting them down into this tableau lined a certain way, like you're walking through the trees. But the catch is you want to collect these down and score them. However, the person who gets to score the trees at the end of the game is the one with the highest number left in their hand. So you're trying to play down points, trees with points that will score you good, good amounts down to the table, but you need to keep some back in your hand so you can make sure that you are the one with the highest card of those kind of trees to score the points. So there's, there's a lot of brain-burning mechanisms in this game for a fairly small footprint card game. And it's been pretty popular, and the new art, because Renegade Games is publishing this now, and the new art by Beth Sobel looks fantastic. She's she's just awesome anyway. Oh, looks yeah, beautiful. It's oh, great. So beautiful. I am really looking forward to talking Corey into picking me up a copy and bringing it back. So... That's that's one that's high on my list for sure. Clap. Uh, the game that I am looking forward to is called The Rise of Queensdale. Uh, this is a legacy style Euro game that I don't know a lot about it. I'll tell you the truth. I've I've watched a little bit of the run through with Rado. It looks like you're using dice kind of as as workers that you're placing to do different things. And it looks like you can upgrade your dice with different stickers to make your dice better, which I think is kind of a neat uh, type of thought process. Uh, similar to there's a game. Uh, what was that game? Dragon okay. Dice? No, Dragon Forge. I can't remember. Anyways, where you, you know, just in the game, you upgraded your dice. So this is kind of interesting. You'll be upgrading your dice as you go along. And then it looks like, you know, you're doing different things to try to you know, help your, you know, develop your burrows and do the king's patronage and, and different things like that. You know, typical Euro-y type of stuff. One of those that I'm really looking forward to getting there and seeing, if, uh, trying a little bit of a demo and trying to see what it's all about to see if it's something, uh, f- obviously, for us to pick up as a group to to try. Uh, yeah. So I, I, have you guys heard about this one or seen much on it? Oh, sure. Yeah, we watched a lot. I'm really excited about the little plunger thing. Yeah, that's what I was just about <laughs> to say. I know there's a plunger in there. <laughs> the plunger fits on the board because you've got these hexes that are already built into the board. And as you uncover stuff and take stuff off, you use this little plunger to suck up the tile and take it out and change the board, basically, which is really kind of fun. Ooh, interesting. All right. Yep, so that's Rise of Queensdale. What, Richie, anything else that you're looking forward to there? Uh, yeah, the last one that I was interested in is Carson City, the card game. So anytime I see the card game at the end of something, <laughs> I'm, I'm always, <laughs> I always get excited. So, <laughs> And now I've never played the original Carson City, so I really can't yeah. speak to that. It looks like uh, basically you'll have like a hand of nine cards, 
and then there are these building pieces and these characters and basically a turn is everyone picks a card that they're going to use in the auction and they all simultaneously reveal it and then whoever paid the most gets to choose their little piece that they want to they can either choose a character and, and use that power or they can take a, a piece for their uh, city that they're developing or their town that they're developing and basically that's all you're doing and then there's two rounds with the uh, nine tricks basically in each round and then at the end of the game you'll score your development based on there's like little buildings on there different things like that and you know if uh, like a ranch if there's no uh, you get a point for every empty space around a ranch stuff like that that's what you're trying to do and you know whoever has the most points wins so i'm excited to try that out it looks great it's going to be i think quinnit games is putting that one out uh, and it should be for sale there like i said any card game i'm, I'm definitely interested in so I have either one of you played the the bigger brother, the big box game? Yes, I have. I've played it a couple of times. Good game. Okay. Interesting game. It's got a you know, it's got a snake type of uh board where you can where like you you can put your token wherever you want to or your workers or whatever wherever you want to on the snake, but then as you resolve the actions, it kind of goes up and down so you might be able to gain something that you need for further down the road, which I think is kind of neat. Um it's one of those games that because I've only played it twice and the two plays were like a couple of years apart. It's one I would like to get back to the table like a couple more times in a row to kind of get a full feel for it. Mm. But I, I like it enough that you pick up the card game and you say, Hey, let's play this. And I'm sitting down to give it a shot. All right. Well, let's do that. How about you, Chad? What's right. the last game you're thinking about? I've still got a couple, but I'm going to lump some together here because I've, I've got some expansions that I want to talk about real quick. One of them is Amazons, which is part of the Imperial Settlers line from Portal Games and Ignacy Trevichek. And I, I'm i excited to see what, what this brings to the game because I really still, I, it's multi-use cards. I love Imperial Settlers. Now, I know it's just for demo right now because it won't be out until the fall. But I would love to kind of see some footage on it, hear from others what it's like. But this faction is supposed to be more of an aggressive faction with new deck plus 10 common cards for the common deck. And it's, it's like I said, just going to be for play right now, but it should be out at, at Essen. So that's one that piqued my interest. And then the other expansion is one that I had hoped to kind of check in on at Origins, but wasn't available yet. And that is the Adrenaline expansion and adrenaline is kind of a first person shooter area control game where the players are the area control and you're running around shooting people trying to put blood drops on them and and getting getting claim to their spots as you make points from from them and the cool thing about this game i think is that it balances the aggression towards all the players very well because people get less and less valuable for points as they have more hits on them in addition, as they have more hits, their adrenaline kicks in and they get to do extra actions and extra powers per turn. So I've enjoyed that game. But what's coming out is, I think, Adrenaline DLC, which is sort of a play on the first-person shooter idea, that downloadable content kind, kind of thing, where it adds an Adrenaline Rush system with an epic shot boost. I don't really know what that means yet, but it sounds fun. And then streamlined gameplay with some new win conditions, which is always more interesting, and some team play, which I think in the right situation can be really, really fun. 
in the middle of a game night to kind of sneak that one in because it plays pretty quick. So that's another expansion I'm interested in and looking forward to hearing more about. Clef, what about you? Well, I will continue with the expansion theme then. Uh, this is an expansion for my favorite game, Great Western Trail. It's called Rails to the North, and oh boy, I am super excited to get, uh, like I said, Great Western, my favorite game, hands down. I love it, and I'm really looking forward to this expansion. Uh, from what I can tell, it's like an extra extension on the top of the board that's going to add some, basically they say, you know, you got new rails to the to the north, so to Chicago and Detroit, so it's going to be harder to get up there, but could be more lucrative. But it looks like it also adds some new buildings that you put of your color up in this up in that area. Not not like the buildings that go on the board, uh, but like little like almost like settlers of Catan type of uh, houses that would go up there. I'm not exactly sure what those do for you, but they go up there. And then it also, though, it does look like it adds possibly a new type of cattle. And then it adds some new private buildings and some new station tiles. So that's cool. So a lot of it looks like a lot of good variability that it's going to add to the game, which I am really looking forward to. Uh, it, it, this is my slam dunk. If I don't come home from Gen Con with this game, I just you will not have failed. Hey, I want to know. I want to know what what other. I mean, I, we just played this recently. What other kind of cow is there to add? Do you know what other? I mean, Richie, you're our resident cow expert. What what other cow would you add to this deck? <laughs> I know about milking cows. I don't really know about right. the so types probably of cows. not a dairy cow then. Okay, well, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, and I can't. I cannot zoom in close enough to see what they call the cow. But there's definitely, and it looks like it might be a new cow for your deck. It looks like because it has a little star on oh, the it uh, star? that shows. Yeah, the little sheriff star that's like your okay. opening deck. So don't know. No, there's also a little extension on the bottom of your player board that it looks like it adds a little something to the bottom. Some more of the actions board. to uncover. Whatever it is, yep, it is going to be awesome. I know it. Alexander Fister, one of my favorite designers, is it's it's got to be a slam dunk. Cool. That's that is uh, yeah, Great Western Trail expansion. Rails. Well, I want to slip in one more, you guys, before we we move on. Oh my! Really? Wow! Look at this, Richie. Tells us no more than two, and I think he's up to four. All right, what is it? I'm allowed to cheat. I'm, I'm still, I'm still on my birthday week. Um, okay, right. so, so this game, I don't know if you guys heard much about it, but it's called Newton, and it is from one of our favorite designers. Do you guys know about this game yet? No, All right. Well, it is Simone Luciani and Nestore Mangione. I hope I pronounced that right. Mangone, maybe? Uh, anyway, you are scientists in the 17th century, and you're kind of traveling around using the scientific method, and you're trying to learn and visit universities and cities and discover new theories, etc. But basically, it's played over about six rounds, and the main mechanism, it looks like, I, I couldn't see all of it, but the main mechanism is, it's kind of a deck builder, but hold on, Clef, in an interesting way. So... Basically, you draw these five cards to take actions, and then one card has to be left out on the board, which means that you give up the possibility of doing that action the next round, but also that action you leave is, is more powerful when you do it. So it's kind of like, actually, the card mechanism, it sounds to me, in Gloomhaven, which to me was one of the most interesting parts of that game. So 
also you're going to be able to acquire new cards that allow you to do more actions and, and additional powers and stuff like that. But it sounds like the crux is kind of finding those combos and making those tough decisions about getting rid of a card permanently from your deck while making it the most powerful action you're going to do that round. So again, it's by one of our favorite designers, Mr. Simone Luciani. So I have a lot of hope for it. And plus the 17th century scientist theme is interesting to me. So I'm looking forward to seeing more about that because it is coming out from Simon and Cranial Creations at the same time. But from everything I've heard, that's supposed to be available to buy at Gen Con. So fingers crossed. Hmm. Yeah, I'll definitely have to yeah. check that out. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, that wraps up our Gen Con list that we're looking forward to. So hopefully pretty soon we'll have a lot more information on all those things for you. But now let's move on to our draft. <laughs> to draft our top games that we prefer with two players. This is always a great list because quite a few of us and quite a few of our listeners game with a friend or significant others pretty often, so it's kind of fun to share our favorites that we love to play in a more intimate group of two. I mean, is two a group? I think two is a group. Anyway, Richie, please tell everybody how our draft works. Uh, Sure. On Punchboard Paradise, we like to have unique games for every pick, so that's why we draft. We'll randomly determine who will go first, and that person will pick the order of the draft. Then we'll have a serpentine draft, meaning the person who picks last in the first round will pick first in the second round. Once a game is drafted, it's off the board. No one else can have it. That way we'll all have unique lists. So, fellas, how about we roll for it? All right, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> you got that metal die, Come on, Clef? No, 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 no. That, I threw that one away. <laughs> it's a goner. There you go. Ah, I got a six, six. I got a six. <laughs> Oh, whatever. Oh, I got a six. All right, all right. Let's roll off. Here we go. Ready? Yep. Two. Two. I got a two as well. Here we go. Here we go. We're still going. Come on. This is like the home run derby. Five. Ah, I got a two. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know what to do. I'm going to run Um... I think on this one, I am going to say I'm going to have Chad go first, Richie go second, and I'm going to take the swing Ooh, pick. You want the double pick. I want the double pick. So that's that's how we're going to do it. So All right. So, Chad, give us a game that you enjoy playing as a two-player game. All right. Well, I'm not sure where you guys are going to go with your pick. So I kind of had to... I basically had to pick the best game to play at two players. That's that's where I'm at. So I'm going to go with a tried-and-true classic, a game that everybody loves. Well, almost everybody. It's pretty ugly, though, and that is Castles of Burgundy. So <laughs> Castles of Burgundy is a classic. We can all agree upon that. that, that yeah, uh, it's on my list. Yeah, that dice rolling, action selection... It really is a great game. Now, you can play it at four. That's that's a thing. You can play it at four. However, the way the dice drafting works in this game, the way you chain together your actions, it really is a game that's best for two players. Plus, it's a great couples game. So it is one of those things that's so fun to play with just one other person 
and watch each other go back and forth, chaining those fun combos, doing this action to get this action to pull this tile over and then move this thing and get this animal. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And in my opinion, one of the best two-player games. So that is my first pick, Castles of Burgundy by the great Stefan Feld. Well, and I'd, I'd love to give you crap on your first pick, but I just played this two-player with my wife today, and I totally agree with you. It's a great two-player game. Good at three and four, but it's definitely a great two-player game. Yeah, yeah it's solid. That's uh, our second most played game uh, between me and Jessica. I think we got like 40, 42 plays of it or something like that. So okay. uh, it's perfect two-player game. Well, so your first your first most played game, is that what you're going with first here, Richie? No, I'm not actually, mm. because that game I I like at three, personally. Mm. Uh-huh. So uh, this one is I, I either thought Castles of Burgundy or uh, what I'm gonna pick, which is Grand Austria Hotel, would go first. Oh, why did I <laughs> go trap. last? Oh, I didn't think anybody would take that one. I know you rolled it. You rolled. Oh. You finally rolled. Uh, I know. <laughs> you put yourself I know, last, and then I just give it away. Oh my goodness! All right, that'll teach me. Uh, so in Grand Austria Hotel, it's a dice drafting game, and uh, you're you're running a hotel. And so you have customers that you're trying to get into into rooms. And I mean, really with this game, the the reason that it works so well at two is because of the way that the turn order is set. Is that if you play it with four people, it does it end up being like, what is it, like 16 turns? 16, 16 hours? Or, yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yep. about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it is, it's a serpentine as far as uh, how the you take turns. So whoever goes first, they, they might as well go take a nap because it's going to be yep. a while before it gets back to them. And <laughs> that that's why it, it's perfect at 2. So, uh and I've I've played it at 3. I, I would never play it at 4. I actually I won't say I would never play it at 4. I played Caverna at 7, so I can't say that. Um <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just fantastic. So, I know both of you guys enjoy the game. So, uh and Clef, it sounded like that that was going to be on your list. I I really thought I'd be safe. I thought both of you would pick a game that I didn't care about, and then I'd be able to swing in with Grand Austrian and, and something else. Ugh, that's, yeah. right. Well, see, man, what'd you do? You won, can, you won on. and you can picked we, the same spot we, that you always get anyway. Can we just start over? Can, <laughs> can we just edit this whole part out uh, and we just start over? Nice no, we're good. Possible? Nice <laughs> we're try. going to leave man. this in. Uh, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say I love Grand Austria Hotel, and I've played it a bunch at two players, but my favorite player count, you actually happen to be wrong, my favorite player count is at three with people that know what they're doing. The reason is the card draw for the guests at the tables cycles through a little bit better at three, and you can't get shafted as much as to what guests are coming out so that you can get them into room. That I is that complaint, and I just... You just play better. No, that has nothing to do with it. There <laughs> is such thing as I, luck of the, the tableau in this game. It doesn't get as gunked up to me, at least. But no, I, I have heard that complaint yeah. before. Yeah. I, still, mm-hmm. two-player. I've had it happen yep. in two-player games where it's just stagnant there mm-hmm. and nobody is taking the last couple rounds and you need to get a certain color out and the whole row is, is blues, for example, and you need a red and you're just you're you're screwed. 
And so for that reason, I prefer it at three as long as everybody knows what they're doing and can move on their turns. But this is one of my favorite examples of dice drafting in a game. So it's done really well. Yes, definitely. Well, you're just wrong. All right, Clef. Uh, what are you going to do with your double pick that you work so hard for? Yeah, I have no idea now. I, I totally just, yeah, um, might as well forget about it. Uh, okay. Um, okay, well, the first one I'm going to go with is a kind of a, I, th- I think it's a basically a card game version of Russian Railroads, which is called First Class. It's a game that you're doing some drafting of some cards that come out, and then you're you're basically kind of doing a even kind of a solo kind of version of your own tableau that you're working on on your board where you're either moving your engineer or upgrading your uh, train cars or you're moving this little train along. And I just like it at two players because I don't want to sit there and have to wait for another player or another couple players to draft another cards that I just am. I like to just kind of move in that game and kind of do my own thing. So I really like this game at two. Another one that my wife and I enjoy playing it too. I've played it a couple times here, even in the past few days. Um, I like, you know, and it, it scales good enough because the moment there's always six cards out there to draft, no matter how, what the player count is. But once you draft two out of a row, the row goes away. So it's still, it's not like you get more choices or anything like that in a, in a two player game. I just like it. It plays quick. It's a solid game. Uh, I don't know. You guys, have you guys played this game? Do you like I'm this I'm going to have to agree with you and say that I like it best at two-player two because I don't want to have to sit through this game any more than is possible. So I'm going to say that's <laughs> that's just perfect. Unless there's a zero-player game out there, that's fine. <sighs> okay. I I love first class, unlike Chad. But Thank you, Richie. I don't, yes. I don't know what you're doing tonight, Clef. You get first you know, you win the roll off, you put yourself last, and then you're taking first class. <laughs> I know, I love it. It's, it's awesome. It's great. I, I think that plays at all. That plays well at all player counts, and I would even say that it plays better at like three and four. No, because you're not. You're, there's no interaction with the other players, so it doesn't matter. What do you the the card draw out there? Yeah, but the cards still go away when you draft two, so it's still it's still the same type of draft because you can still try to get rid of a row by drafting out of it when you know somebody else would want one there to clear it off it plays just fine at two i am telling you right it's no different whatsoever i have to agree with richie and i'm going to say also it just plays better at russian railroads so that's what you should do <laughs> is just play russian railroad well i hope i get to edit this episode I'm just try out of everything. okay all right. Let's see if you can redeem yourself on uh, your second oh, pick. Oh my goodness! All right, my number two pick that I'm going to go with is I'm going to go with Madeira. There you go. Uh, this is another one of my absolute favorite games, and I have played this at two player at least twenty times. Um, it's a friend of mine, Corey, and I. We play this game a lot. Well. He's kind of stopped playing with me because I've beat him like the past like four or five times. He can't figure out how to beat me anymore. But um, we've played it a lot, and it's perfect at two players. It all scales. There are you know, certain spots on the board that you can't take because you know when you're at two players, they, they reduce the spots. You only can only have two dice in each one of the characters, so it reduces there. I'm not saying that I wouldn't play this game at three and four because I will. But for a nice meaty game that I know I can get done with somebody who knows really what they're doing, it's a really great game to play at two players, and I really enjoy this game. <laughs> Richie, would you agree with that? Yes, you you have you have redeemed yourself partially. Whew. Partially. 
<laughs> Don't worry, Chad. I'm cutting out all your parts. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Whatever. Just because you can't figure out how to play the game. That's all I right. said that it's good. I'm agreeing with you. That's a good one. Oh, okay. All right. I see how it is. All right. So get past me. I, you know what? I would just like to say I'm still leading in the 2017 draft. So if I lose this one, I'm okay because I, I had this 2017. <laughs> All right. So. All right. So back to uh, Mr. Chad. No, no, it's Richie. Come back to me. What? Back to Richie, I mean. Sorry. Yep. All right. So with my second pick, I'm going to go with a game that I think we actually talked about in the last episode uh, when we were talking about AP. So I hated this game the first time I played it because I played it at a full player count. And then I got a chance to play it at two players. And it was fantastic. And that is five tribes. Now, I did not think I would like this at two because it does the where you get two turns per round. But that actually with the... Moncala setup uh, it makes the bidding interesting because you you may want to bid so that you get that double turn and you can set yourself up to get like a huge turn and then with the the and we play with me and Jessica we play with all the expansions when we play uh, in the latest expansion the uh, uh, five whims I believe it's called whims of the sultan Something like that. Yeah, I just made up a name. So whims of <laughs> whims of the Sultan, that makes it even more interesting for two players as far as the bidding goes because there are it adds little city tiles and when you get those, the more that more of those that you get, the you can score like 150 points. It's ridiculous. So you it makes that bidding a lot more interesting. So yeah, five tribes. I know Chad, you you like five tribes, right? I do, I do. I have to say that I'm not sure that two is my favorite because. Only if you have the expansion is two my favorite. Because, again, there are so many times before the expansion that my wife and I would play, and there just wouldn't be stuff set up to do two turns. And since your money is your points, it has to be it has to be worth it. So there are a lot of times that we would just sort of pass and not stack stuff up for our turns. But with Whims of the Sultan, it does make a bigger difference. I would even say with the base game. I mean, if you have those two turns, you can set yourself up. And I will point out, my two picks so far, you go to BGG, they are listed as best at two. All right. Well, that's good. Unlike first class. <laughs> yeah. Well, first class yeah, is low class. Moving on. Chad, what's your pick? Let's move on. All right. So for my next pick, I'm going to pick another great two player game that I really enjoy. I finally just got my wife to start playing it with me and it is kind of a classic a uh, new classic, newer classic, I'd say. But anyway, the game is called Seasons. Now, this game is a really great, again, dice drafting game. I tend to like dice drafting games. But it's a dice, dice drafting and card tableau building game where you're working to score points. The theme is that you're magicians competing in this four-year magician competition. Eh, it doesn't matter. But the art is really, really beautiful. And it is... It's a great game, but it's best, I think, at two, where you're just sort of going back and forth at each other because there is a little bit of aggression in this game. Some of the cards can be kind of aggressive as you play, but uh, I I really enjoy this game, and I think it moves very quickly at two players, and you can even get in a couple of games if you want to, and there are plenty of decks to kind of draft from and, and pick out and it's really all about the combo chains in this game. Some people describe it as a game for magic lovers, basically. So, hence, 
again, it fits that two-player niche. Richie, I know you like this game a lot. What would you say? Yeah, it's on my list. I want to give you a hard time, but I can't. <laughs> it is definitely best at two, especially just for just keeping track of the score because they give you these stupid uh, blocks or little cubes that you have to move around on this tiny score track. So just for that alone, it's it's best to play at two. Yeah, yeah and I... I can't disagree either. Uh, the last time I played this, and it's, I don't even know, it may be a good game that I just haven't gotten to play in a long time, but the last time I played this game was with four players. And, oh, my Oof. God, I mean, it was brutal. And I have yet to play it. I think I went home, sold my copy immediately, and have <laughs> never looked at it again because that four-player game was so brutal I just lost complete interest in it. So I, I would definitely have to say two-player has to be the best player count for that game. So can't argue with you there, Charlie. Okay, well, yeah, so that's Seasons by Reggie Bonasse. So check that out if you like a good two-player couples game. All right, so I'm, I'm two for two. Reggie, what's, uh, Reggie, what's next? Uh, you got a double pick, bud. Oh, I yeah, do. You, you I do. One, that's Charlie. right. Yeah. Coming around the corner. All right, okay. Um, I'm going to say... One of my favorite games. Uh, I don't know if Richie has this on his list. I know Clef doesn't, but I'm going to say Imperial Settlers. Imperial Settlers is my other one of my other favorites. And again, we just talked about it this episode, but I love multi-use cards. I love chaining together combos. But this game is about micro-turns. Imperial Settlers by Ignacy Trevichek. You are taking an action to get a resource, then you wait and your partner your opponent plays something and gets another resource and then you're taking that resource and you're trading it in for some other resource and then you wait and you do another thing and your partner does another thing and so you're going back and forth and back and forth so these micro turns are fun they're addictive but they can get long if you're playing with more than two players and you can with the multi-use cards you can have some potential for ap over card choices and what you're going to do and those kinds of things too even though you can plan to some extent this one is definitely better at two players another reason is the font on the sm on the cards is hellishly small so you don't want to have to look around at more than one person's tableau <laughs> that's another thing but Richie, i know you're a fan of this system at least whether we're talking about 51st state or imperial settlers yeah and, and honestly since you've said it that was going to be 51st state it's going to be my third yeah my third pick We'll just talk about this all together. Okay. <laughs> because I, I still own Imperial Settlers. I love it. Uh, I just prefer 51st State because no card is safe. But now, actually, now that Imperial Settlers, has, they've introduced in the latest little small expansion the, uh, the ability to conquest. It'll allow you to go after uh, other players' faction cards. So I haven't tried that yet. I do own it. But uh, I definitely want to try it out to see if that will change, uh, put that back up as high as as 51st state is for me yeah because that expansion i think is called we didn't start the fire but and, and and the reason that i i still like imperial settlers is because the factions are different i love the the idea of getting to play with a different faction each time and, and that the decks are different as opposed to 51st state which has one resource that it converts a little bit better generally but i know that it's gotten kind of crazy with all the expansions and upgrades and some of the factions have some have some balance issues and stuff like that so hopefully this new expansion will help balance it out when you can attack other people's cards i guess okay so chad yours was imperial settlers and richie yours is 51st state yep both so, by ignesi trevichek and portal games hmm. yeah both okay <laughs> okay uh, 
All right, so now I'm ready for my last two picks here. Oh, boy. Better make them what good. What am I going to take? I know. Um, well, I am going to go with the game that I have now played, I believe, either 18 or 19 times in the past month. And that is Gone Sean Clever. Now, I'm sure this game plays just fine at three and four players. But for me, it is the game that I have gotten my wife back into playing games with me. When I introduced her to this game, she just like absolutely loved the, you know, for the, if you don't know what the game is, it's basically just a roll and write game. It really has zero theme whatsoever. You're just rolling different colors of dice and you're trying to make, uh, you know, each dice will go into a different slot on the board in a different color and you're just trying to gain points. And that's all the game is, just a complete roll and write, abstract type of game. But my wife has just absolutely loved it. And I can just get her to play a game with me. And usually then that leads me into being able to maybe play another game with her. So if anything else, I'm putting this on the list because it's made my wife kind of start gaming with me again. And I am totally enjoying it. And I just think, too, it plays really well at two. I mean, Richie, I know you've played this a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. have you played this with Jessica? Have you enjoyed it too? Yeah, I do like it at two because you get six rounds instead yeah. of just the, I think you only get four if you're playing, uh, you know, a four-player game. So, yeah, I right. think it, it, right. it's great at two. I have not played it at two, but I just want to point out that I think that Clef is kind of going for the sentimental vote and just, you know, talking about <laughs> getting his wife back into gaming and hoping that we won't notice that it's still really great three or four player game as well. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I feel manipulated. If nothing I'm just else, saying. <laughs> if nothing else, I'm going to get my wife to vote. For me. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, okay. And so oh, this game is also nominated for the Kinnerspiel. And it's one of the three by Wolfgang Varsh. So it's it's pretty popular out there. And again, the combos are what make it really fun and clicky. Yeah, absolutely. That is cool. So that was my number three. And now my number four, I know I'm going to get some argument on this, but this is my favorite Rosenberg game. And I just feel like it plays the best at two. I have not. I've played it a couple of times at three. And I just don't think it works as well as the two-player game. I'm not saying I can't play it at three, but my favorite is going to be Lahav. And I just absolutely love it at two. Whoa, players. whoa, 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 whoa. Two, two, three is the optimal you heard me. player count two. for Lahav. What? What's this no. two business? No, because two is the best. Actually, it, one but... is the best on an app. <laughs> and that that's about it. No, 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 no. When you know this game well, it is a great two-player game. For one thing, you get, in, in more players, you keep losing actions as the game goes on. And it's not like it's any more rounds. So you only get, you get fewer actions, so you get less to do. We all like to do stuff when we play games. We don't like to just sit there and do nothing. So in three, you're losing actions. So why would you ever want to play it at three? Two is the best. You get, always get at least you know, every other round, you get three or four actions. You get more access to the buildings. You have less food that you have to pay to the other people because you have to go to their buildings. 100% to anybody who thinks it's three is absolutely wrong, and I will argue with them until the end of time. It is definitely best. <laughs> I'm going to tell Tom Vassell and Ed and all those people that you said that. 
uh, you could go ahead and do that. I, I will argue with them and, and point out to them exactly <laughs> why it is best at two player. And once again, my wife will agree with me on this one. Oh, so more I'm, sentimental. Yes, going with. <laughs> it makes more sense than first class, so I'll let it slide. <laughs> okay. Man, I'm never going to live that one down. Oh, my goodness. All right, so my number four is Lahav. So back to you, Mr. Richie. What do you got for your fourth and final one? Uh, for my final one, I'm going to take a uh, Kramer and Kiesling, mm. and it is not a kiss, which I've played with. I played with Clef, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't think not Chad. Me. I don't think you've played. Yeah, yet. we did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got a game in the yep. So the reason, and in this game, it's a rondelle game, and uh, basically you're trying to build ships and deliver goods. And on the rondelle, each uh, each round, someone will select an action, and when you pick that action, you get a bonus, and then everyone does that action. So you're trying to kind of get out of sync of the other players so that when you go take an action, it's not as beneficial for them. But the reason that it plays best at two, in my opinion, kind of one of the main strategies in this game is building large ships. So the ships are broken into four different or three different pieces. So they're, you know, the, you know, the back end, the front end, and then the whole, the middle part. And the middle, those middle pieces, little, uh, <clears throat> they're limited. So there's only, I think there's only eight of them in the entire game. So if you play a four-player game of this, and one of the strategies is to kind of rush and buy as many of those middle pieces as you can at the very beginning, you're going to be broke for most of the game. But if you do that, it really puts uh, puts pressure on the rest of the players. So if you're playing a four-player game, it's possible that by the time it gets to you in a four-player game, all those middle pieces are gone. And it makes it really hard for you to win a game. You can still win the game, but you would have to be pretty experienced to do it. And you're going to have to deliver a lot of goods. So just strategy-wise, I think that this plays best at two uh, because it kind of gets a little broken when you get up to those higher player counts. Well, yeah, I I can't really give an opinion because I've only played the one game at two players. So I I don't – I couldn't give you anything. But uh, I I enjoyed the two-player game, so I can certainly say that. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to – it's all right at three. We'll have to try it out just so Chad can try it out. Sure. But but two two is definitely where it's at. So all right, Chad, bring us home. All right. Well, when Clef started talking about Uwe Rosenberg games, I thought he might pick the correct one. But since he did not, <laughs> I'm gonna go with probably what I consider his best game to play at two that also plays at a larger count. And that's not counting expansions here in a second. I'll explain that. But his best two-player game to me is At the Gates of Loyang. This is a classic tableau builder, and you are trying to grow your vegetable cart, basically, so that you can sell vegetables at the, the gates of the city. And you're working back and forth drafting these cards and then trying to play them down for the different actions into your tableau while also converting resources and trying to grow vegetables and fill orders and trying to move up the path of prosperity track. And man, is that tough because as you move up the path of prosperity, you're paying one coin to make the first move. And then the next next path number you move up to is what you have to pay in coins. So if you want to move up from four to six, you have to pay one coin for moving from four to five, and then you have to pay six more coins on top of that to move up to that sixth spot on the path. So it makes it really tight, but the cards do different things. There's a little bit of a take that element to some of those cards, which some people don't like, and I guess you could take them out, but I don't think it's too bad. 
but you can kind of mess with each other a little bit. And you want that to be just sort of straight back and forth because the the three and four player turn order thing can kind of get a little bit wonky in my opinion. In four players, you kind of pick who you're going to pair off against. So you can tell in that mechanism that it's really kind of made to be a two player game in my opinion. And again, I think this one's a classic. Now, I love Patchwork, but that's solely a two-player game. I love Fields of All, but that's solely a two-player game unless you have the expansion, which we're not counting. So this here is my favorite Uwe game that plays two to four and plays best at two. For real. Richie, Richie, did you hear that? He snuck in two more I games. I know. Any more games. Sneaks in more games. Oh, at least boy. they were better games uh, than the one he just named, but... <laughs> you know, hey, I don't. I like at the gate toying and and most Rosenberg games. I'm not a huge fan on, but that is definitely one that I enjoy. However, I will say I have played it a lot at four players, and I didn't mind it at four players because you kind of uh, play simultaneously, so it's almost like kind of playing a two player game. It's not bad, but I will agree that I do think that two is probably still the sweet spot. So, Chad, I I've got to agree with you on that. And boy, you're right on that. The mechanism of that going up that path of prosperity where you have to at least always have to have at least one coin, which you might think sounds easy, but it's not. Just to move up that one step. It's a really cool mechanism and, and a lot of fun to do that one. So, All right. Well, I guess that's it, gentlemen. We have a, a nice little grouping of games that we prefer at two players. And with the exception of just a few, I think we have a, a pretty great list. So... I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear the dig there. I, I hear the dig. My wife will agree with me. <laughs> Boy, that sounds pretty defensive. <laughs> you guys hold on. I'm going to go tell my wife. <laughs> I, I don't know. I totally screwed that entire draft up. I won the thing, and for some reason I decided to be third. I didn't think Richie would take Van Austrian. My whole thing just got screwed up. I have to laugh about that. I have to laugh. First of all, you pick first, first class, but even better, you complain and complain about how you never win a dice roll, and you finally do, and you pick the same spot that you always go in anyway. <laughs> Well, it was was strategic. It just didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now that we've got our lists, we're going to put up everybody's picks on the guild page in a poll, and you can go ahead and hop onto our guild at Board Game Geek Guild 3227, and you can go vote on who had the best draft. Uh, And if you're Clef's wife, you should... Pick fairly, yes, and yes. you should not be <laughs> not be manipulated by the fact that you sleep in the same bed with Clef. So, anyway, you, you can you can go ahead and vote. We enjoy that. You can tell us why we're crazy or what you could have what we should have picked. You can tell Clef to get out of town. But also, you should come check us out on PunchboardParadise.com or our Punchboard Paradise Facebook page. You need to send us some email so we have some email questions we are at punchboardparadise at gmail we're at punchboarders on twitter and we're at punchboardparadise on instagram and guess what we have started a slack channel too so hey why don't you send us an email and you can get on our slack channel we're going to be on it a lot because we love to talk games and conventions and what's exciting at the moment and why clef is usually wrong and we're going to be happy to take any feedback in any form and just have a place to meet up and talk about the hobby. So go ahead and check those things out for us. 
And for the next episode, stay tuned for one of our featured reviews and listen in as we vicariously live through Clef via his Gen Con experience. Also, just want to let you know that next episode will be just a few days late in order to make sure that we get Clef's most recent experiences on record. So it'll just be a few days. We're not making it a permanent thing or anything. But we want to make sure we get those to you. So... Ooh, sounds like a lot of pressure yeah. for me, but okay, I can do it. There is I a lot of pressure. It. There's a lot of pressure to redeem yourself, and you know, first class. That's right. It, no, I all think right, that's your new last name. Uh, no right. class. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs> Have a good one. Uh, you guys are. <laughs> <laughs>